Say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Revan's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We believe it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for the spirit of God that's already here. And we pray that, Father, as the word is shared, the spirit of God will breathe on it. Our lives will be changed. We will grow, know more, live more, give more, share more. I pray, Father, that the message will illuminate the vision of this church, which is to know Christ and to make him known. And as I step back, I thank you for the Spirit of God stepping up so that people will hear what the man of God is saying to the people of God. And I thank you that today will be an awesome day in your word. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled, Are You Ready? Just look at the next person to you and just say, Are You Ready? This is our fourth lesson in one of the most important series of messages that I believe I have done as a pastor. And the purpose of this series is for you and I to understand death and the afterlife. And the goal of this series has been to make sure that you are spiritually mentally and financially ready whenever your time comes to move from this life over into the afterlife. Can you say amen to that? This also, this series is to make sure you are encouraged and strengthened when someone you know or loved one transitions from this life to eternity. So if you're taking notes today and if you're not taking notes, I want to encourage you to at least take some notes. Today's message title is Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And the focus of today's lesson is to explain the afterlife process that happened to Jesus and then explain what happens to Christians when we leave this earth. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, Ephesians 4, 7. And then we're going to look over into Luke chapter 23. That was Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And then Luke chapter 23, we're going to start in verse 39. And uh, as you're finding those two verses, I heard a joke about three men who died and went to heaven. And before God let them in, he gave them a chance to come back as anything they wanted. And so the first guy said, I want to come back to earth as myself, but a hundred times smarter. And poof, God returned him to earth a hundred times smarter than when he left. The second guy said to God, I want to be better than that guy. Make me a thousand times smarter than him. So poof, God returned him back to the earth a thousand times smarter than the first guy. 
Then the last guy decided he wanted to be the best. So he said, God, make me a million times smarter than the last guy. So poof, God returned him to the earth as a woman. <laughs> and all the women say, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I have two points for you today, and I may only reach one, and if I do, that's okay, because I'm going to close this series next week. So if you're taking notes, here's the first point that I want you to write down, and that is Jesus went down before he went up. I'm going to say that again. Jesus went down before he went up. In fact, say this with me. Say, Jesus went down before he went up. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at this principle and this truth in this particular verse. And then we're going to use supporting scripture to show you that Jesus, when he died, did not automatically go to heaven. Now, this morning, is, this message is going to challenge you intellectually. It's also going to challenge uh, maybe how you were raised and what you were taught. But I'm going to teach you out of the Bible today. Everybody say the Bible. Bible. Ephesians 4, look in verse 7. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 8. Wherefore he says, when he, Jesus, ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now notice now in verse 8 it says that Jesus ascended up. But watch verse 9. It says, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended? What's the next word? First. So before Jesus ascended, he descended. Now let's see where he went. It says he descended first into the what? Lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that he that ascended up far above all the heavens that he may fill all things. Now let me just throw this in here because scientists have now proven that in the core of this earth is, is some heat that is very intolerable. Everybody say hell is real. Hell is real. Jesus went down, it says, into the lower parts of the earth. Now just write down this verse and he'll put it on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 12 verse 40 because I'm going to also support this verse with this one. It says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So when Jesus died, before he went up, he went down. As a matter of fact, not only did he go down, but we just read in Matthew 12, 40, he stayed down for three days and three nights. Now, I'm not going to get into this, but I can show you because of the calendar, uh, the Jewish calendar is different from how we do it. You cannot get three days and three nights if Jesus died on a Friday. Okay, Friday... Friday night, one day. Saturday, Saturday night. Sunday, Sunday night. That's three days. But they discovered him on Sunday. He was already risen. So it could not have been that. But I won't get into that. So now it seems that there may be a contradiction in Scripture. 
But I'm going to show you that it's not a contradiction, but a misinterpretation by many people. Go to Luke chapter 23. Go to Luke chapter 23. Now, what we are about to read is when Jesus was hanging on the cross and uh, one of the malefactors who was uh, being hanged with him uh, made a comment, and I believe this comment has been taken not only out of context, but it's ha- it has been misinterpreted. Luke 23, look in verse 39. It says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If you are Christ, save yourself and save us. But the other answered and rebuked him and said, Do not you fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. Verse 42, watch this now. And he said, this malefactor who just responded to the other one said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Boy, that's a smart man, ain't it? So listen, don't you criticize people who wait to the last minute to get their life right. Now, I wouldn't take that chance because no, no one knows the day or the hour. But if somebody decides to turn their life around on their deathbed, who are you to criticize whether they went to heaven or not? When Jesus just told this man, he asked this man, this man asked Jesus, Hey, can I come to you when you come into your kingdom? Now, watch verse 43. He says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, What's the next word? Today shall you be with me in paradise. Now, first of all, the word today, when you translate it, it means this day. Say this day. day. Now, remember, we just read that Jesus descended first before he ascended. So most people read that and say, man, he told that man today, you're going to be with me in paradise. But that's not correct because remember now, when the Bible was written, It was one big letter, first of all. Second of all, all the different chapters, men put those in there to help us read it. Second of all, the punctuation in the Bible was added. Everybody say added. So all the commas and all that, that was added. So what we have allowed is we've allowed a comma to make it sound like that Jesus and that malefactor went to paradise that day. But that didn't happen. Let me read it to you without the comma in it. This is how it ought to read. Verily I say unto you this day, you shall be with me in paradise. Now, see, that now lines up with what I just told you, that he went down first and then he went up second. Can I get an amen for that? Now, here's the question I want to answer. What is paradise? When you look up the word paradise, it actually means a place of future happiness. Everybody say a place of future happiness. It also, watch this now, refers to the third heaven. Say third heaven. Okay, so if there's a third heaven, there has to be a first heaven. If there's a first heaven and a third heaven, there has to be a second heaven. Can I get an amen on the heavens? All right. Now, there are different layers of heaven. So when you just look up in the sky, that's called the heavens. But then now when you go and you orbit into space, that's another level of heaven. But then if you keep going where God lives, everybody say that's the third heaven. 
Now, let me show you that paradise and the third heaven are the same places. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Because I want you to know when Jesus was telling this man, look, eventually you and I, I'm going to bring you into paradise with me. I want you and I to know what number one paradise is. So when you and I leave this life, we will know where we're transcending to. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 2. This was Paul writing, and he says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. He says, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether I was out of the body. What he was saying was, I don't remember if I physically met this man, or did I see this man in a vision. That's what Paul was saying. He says, I cannot tell, but God knows. He says, such a one caught up to the what? Come on, class. He was caught up to the third heaven, verse 3. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, but God knows, verse 4, how that he was caught up into what? Paradise and heard unspeakable words. Notice now, he said he saw this man in the third heaven, but he refers the third heaven in, as paradise. Did you all see that right there? All right, so we can see that Jesus went down before he went up. Now go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, because here's the question that I have. What happened to Jesus when he died? I know that, you know, we, some of us growing up, uh, we used to hear the closing of every pastor. He died, uh, he died. Uh, But see, I want to take it a step further. I want to know what happened when he died. Because whatever happened to him when he died should have happened to us when we die. But because he replaced us, now you'll get to see what your Savior actually did for you. John chapter 20, we're going to look in verse 11. Now this is a long story, but I need to look at your neighbor and say, stay with him. John 20, look in verse 11. But Mary stood outside of the sepulcher or the tomb, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down, she looked into the tomb or the sepulcher, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one on the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. Verse 13. And they said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said unto them, because you have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned herself back, or she turned back, and saw who? Jesus standing, and knew not that it was who? Okay, now I'll talk about this a little bit next week. But my question is, if she knew who Jesus was, why didn't she recognize him? Okay? Now, notice here, she saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Verse 15. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She's supposing him, watch this now, to have been the gardener. In other words, you know there are people that take care of the cemeteries, even in today's world, right? That's the kind I want to be at. I want the grass I already mowed. I don't need it to look like a weed, you know, yard where you don't even know you're stepping on other people's grave. 
right? Well, they used to have people to take care of the graves. And so she thought Jesus was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you have borne him, hence, or moved him, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She's talking to Jesus about Jesus. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, wow, watch what happened. She turned around herself and said unto him, Rabbani, which is to say master. And Jesus said unto her, don't touch me. Watch this now. Touch me not, for I have not yet what? Come on, say it again. He says, I have not ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Notice when he did get raised from the dead, he came from the grave. He came from the earth when he showed up from under the earth and showed back up now with his resurrected body. Notice he said to her, don't touch me because I haven't ascend it to the father yet now I'm explain that and here's why she couldn't touch him because the way it was set up in scripture is that a priest when he was getting ready to go into the holy of holies he could not touch anything unclean and because she was still a sinner had she touched him, he would have been unclean and it would have disqualified him from going up to the Father to present himself, watch this, as a spotless lamb. Are you all with me? So here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. He went down first so we could go up first. I'm going to say that again. He went down first So we could go up first. Say this with me. He went down first. So we could go up first. Now, here's the question that I want to ask. What did he do when he went down there? Is that a good question? I want to know if he descended and he stayed down there for three days. I want to know what he did. Well, all kinds of people... And uh, scholars have speculated about this. But I'm going to stick to the scripture. Can I do that? Now, somewhere in his journey in death and coming back or being raised up to life, somewhere in that process, he received the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Now, go to Revelations chapter 1. Go to Revelations 1 verse 10. Are you learning something this morning? Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. Let me show you that when Jesus died and he went down into the earth and then he came up and was resurrected, somewhere in that process, he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you think had the keys before Jesus had them? The enemy, Satan, had them. And that's why the Bible says the last enemy, which is death, watch this, it's God's enemy. That was my first lesson. And because it was God's enemy, somebody had to go and take back that authority from the enemy. Now watch this, Revelation uh, chapter 1, look at verse 10. John was saying, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of, of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Notice if he's the last one, we don't need no more. 
So if anybody else come to you and say there's another Jesus, just look at them and say, no, I'm serving the last one. <laughs> he says, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus and Smyrna and all those other names that I'm not going to try to pronounce. <laughs> look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke to me And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one looked like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paths with a golden girdle. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet was like fine brass as it has been burned in the furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, how many know he's describing Jesus? So basically, when he turned around, he saw Jesus. So he began to describe Jesus. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword and his countenance was the sun, was as the sun shining in his strength. Verse 17. And when I saw him, This is what I would do too. I fell at his feet as if I was dead. Watch this now. And he laid his right hand on me saying, what? Fear not. Watch this now. I am the first and the last. Now, keep your finger right here. We're not going to turn, but I'm going to show you a verse. Just keep your finger at that verse. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 45 because it relates to what we just read. This is what it says. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, here's what I want you to notice about that. Notice it doesn't say the second Adam. Because I hear a lot of people say, you know, the second Adam came, which is Christ. No, it didn't say the second Adam. It said the last Adam. Because if you need a second Adam, then there can be a third Adam and a fourth Adam and a fifth Adam. But we don't need no more Adams because the last Adam took care of what the first Adam messed up. Let's keep reading verse 18. This is what Jesus said to him. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, watch this, I am alive for how long? Forevermore, amen, watch this, and I have, read it with me, the keys of hell and of death. Jesus went and snatched those keys away. Now, if I get to it, I'll show you, that's why as believers, we shouldn't fear death. Why? Because Jesus has the keys. Amen. Now, when Jesus went up, let me tell you what happened, okay? And the Old Testament is just a mirror to what happened in the New Testament. When Jesus finally was, you know, resurrected and he ascended to the Father, what happened was he presented himself to God. Remember, in the Old Testament, when they sinned, a high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies, watch this, with the blood of an animal. Now, the reason they used an animal is because an animal, you know, that's the only sacrifice that they had at that time that, watch this, that didn't have sin in it. So they would use the blood of an animal, but because an animal had never sinned, that blood did not last forever. They had to do it again. 
So Jesus had to go and present himself to the Father, watch this, with his own blood to be the living sacrifice that you and I needed, watch this, to clear us from the state of sin. Now, now go to Hebrews 9. Go to Hebrews 9. I'm going to show this to you. Hebrews 9. Jesus literally went up to heaven, presented himself before God and said, look, I'm the spotless lamb that you've always needed. I'm here to clear up not only what Adam did, but anybody else who believes on me after this day, I want you to clear them forever from their sins. And the way you're going to have to do that, here is my blood to always remind you that I have the power to relinquish them. Now watch this now. Hebrews 9, look at verse 11. It says, but Christ being come a what class? A high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, this is to say not of this building, neither by the blood, watch this now, I just told you, of goats and what? Calves, but by his own what? Blood. He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for who? For us. For if, watch this now, he's about to do a contrast. He says, for if by the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, look at your neighbor and say, I ain't calling you no heifer. (laughs) But of the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling, watch this, the unclean, and it's sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge you from conscience, watch this, for, for, from a dead conscience so, so you can serve the living God. What does that mean? That means that when Jesus presented himself before God, see, this is why you can't lose your salvation because the day you lose your salvation, his blood dried up. But how many know the blood of Jesus? <laughs> you know, I can close right there, but I'm not going to do it. That's old school right there. That's good. So here's the major question. I think that every believer needs to know. What happens to a born again believer when they die? So here's point number two. We go up before we go down. Now remember, he went down and then he went up. But as born again believers, here's point number two. We go up. Before we go down. Now, when I answer this question, I'm answering it with everybody in this room being a believer in mind. Because believers and unbelievers don't go to the same place. So I'm answering this as if everybody in this room is saved. And if you're not saved, I'm going to give you an opportunity in the end. It's going to be all right. So where do we go? Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good question. First of all, death to an unbeliever is not the end of life. It is the beginning of eternal life. And when you and I die, watch this, in the flesh, it's referred to as sleep. Everybody say sleep. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. uh, And we're going to look in verse 13. Because I don't want you walking out of this room wondering what happens to someone that's a believer when they die. I don't want you to not know what's going to happen. Because, listen, 
uh, if God lied about blessing me, he might be lying about saving me. I want to know what his promises say so I can hold on to them. Can you say amen to that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant or without knowledge, brethren, concerning them who are what? Asleep, that you sorrow not. Watch this, notice he say now, when you know somebody who has fallen asleep in the Lord, notice he says, sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He said, listen, don't try to jump in the casket when they're gone. Come on now. He said, don't sorrow like that. Don't sorrow like people who weren't saved. He says, no, no, don't sorrow like people who don't have hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in who? Jesus. Watch this now. Will God bring with who? With him. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not go before or prevent them which are asleep. Now let me just explain that. If Jesus were to come back today, what he's saying is, we're not going to go and rise up to Jesus before those who had already died before us. Notice it says in the next verse here. It says here... uh, Verse 15, for this we say by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend. Now, if he's descending, this is where he's living right now. He's descending from where? Heaven with the what? Shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Watch this now. And the what? Dead in Christ shall what? Rise first. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Say them. Them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Watch this. And so shall we. Say we. We ever be with the Lord. And then I love how verse 18 closes. He says, you know what? I need you to comfort one another with these words. I like how this chapter ends by saying comfort one another. And here's why. This is just research. Just touch your neighbor and say this is just research. The word heaven in the New Testament, when it talks about the third heaven where God lives, is mentioned 273 times in the New Testament. Do you know the word hell, which people preach on the most? Do you know that the word hell is only mentioned 23 times in the New Testament. So why should we be preaching more about hell when hell was only mentioned 23 times when the word heaven was mentioned 273 times? And see, a lot of us in this room might have got saved because we heard messages on hell. Well, let me just tell you this. I'd rather for you to tell me where to go than where I'm supposed to go. Oh, you don't have to tell a drunk he's drunk. He know he's drunk. Come on, you don't have to tell a thief he's a thief. He knows he's a thief. You don't have to tell somebody they're a sinner. They know they're a sinner. But why don't you give them an option and say, you don't have to be a sinner. You can be a saint. 
These are comforting words because we go up before we go down. Now, I'm going to close with this. Even though I'm not done with my my lesson, I'm going to pick it up next week. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to show you, look in verse 8, that we go up before we go down. Now, I know it doesn't look like that because it looks like when somebody dies, we're putting their body in the ground first. No, no, no. They left that body before we put it in the ground. Well, when they left that body, their spirit went somewhere when they died. Watch this now. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 8. He says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be what? Present with who? The Lord. Now, Philippians 1, verse 20, I'm going to read it. It says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. Verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. And yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. He says, for I am I'm, I'm confused. I'm, I'm betwixt between the two, having the desire to depart. Watch this now. Watch what happens when he departs. He says, and to be with who? Christ, which is what? So let me, so here's the question. Well, we just answered. We know that there's a part of us that goes up. But there's another part of us that has not been mentioned yet. So the question is, and see, this right here, this right here answers the question of suicide. Because, let me ask you a question as we close. Uh, Is there a big sin or a little sin to God? Are you sure? Now, there may be a big sin and a little sin to us. But really, it's not a matter of big sin or little sin. What it is a matter of is the consequences of the sin. Okay, because if you just lie to your boss, that's one consequence. But, if you know, if you go and murder somebody in the store, that's another whole set of consequences. Now, there is one sin that the Bible calls as an unpardonable sin. And uh, because I've run out of time, I will talk to you about that next week. I'm sorry. I'm out of time. So next week, I'll pick up there. I will finish the point, this point, as well as explain, watch this now, the grieving process when someone dies. Because, see, most of us grieve, but because we haven't been taught what grieving is all about, we do it too long. And when you grieve too long, I'll show you next week, it will lead to depression. Did you learn anything this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap if you did. And Father, I declare over this church that our season is changing. And that, Father, what we have seen lately, we will see no more. And I declare, God, that as this season shifts, so shall our lives. And I declare good things are coming. The blessings of the Lord are coming. Dreams and desires are coming. Increase in prosperity is coming. Healing is coming. I know you've been waiting, but it's coming. And Lord, I thank you for our lives being transformed because of your blood. 
Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question. I wonder who's in this room today that have never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Here's the question. Where would you go? Well, there are only two places. Oh, oh there's no purgatory. There's no middle place you can go for halfway good people. It doesn't work like that. We have to go by the rules God have written. And the Bible says, For God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you died today, here's my question. Are you 100% sure you die and go to heaven? Because if you're not sure, I want to pray for you. And then there may be some people in this room who you know you are a Christian. You know if you die today, you go to heaven. But you haven't been consistently walking in fellowship with God. That just means you've been doing more of your will than his will. And let me tell you what happens when you walk in your will more. You're going to sin more. You're going to be led in the wrong direction more. You're going to disobey God more. But when you walk in constant fellowship with him, man, the blessings of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow. And so there may be some of you who need to rededicate your life to the Lord. And then last but not least, there are some people here who need a church home. You've kind of been spiritually floating. God's ready for you to make a decision. Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. So if you're here today and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you need to rededicate your life or you'd like to be a member of Word of Truth Family Church, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you in just a second to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, it's just showing me who I need to pray for. So if you follow one of those three areas, just raise your hand right there and say, Pastor Edmund, would you pray for me? I'm one of those three people. I need to make a commitment. I need to make a commitment for salvation. I need to make a commitment to rededicate my life today. Or I need to make a commitment to joining Word of Truth Family Church. Anybody here today? Anybody here? Raise your hand real high so I can see it. Anybody? All right. Now, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Because if you have your hand up, I want you to look up at me so we can make eye contact. Keep your hand up. Thank you. I see your hand right here. 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 Thank you. I saw your hand.